Well, welcome to all of you here at the 2.30 service. Wonderful to be together again as we continue our series on the gifts of the Spirit. How many of you enjoying that? All right. And uh, we've been um, looking at a lot of uh, topics, looking at various uh, revelation gifts, power gifts, sign gifts of the Holy Spirit. And let me just remind us that our purpose for looking at these gifts is not just so that we will be better informed, but that we would be challenged to function and operate in these gifts. Amen. God wants a body that are flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. How many want to flow in the gifts of the Spirit? Amen. That's why we're here this afternoon. Hebrews 2.4, please come with me there. We're going to use that as our starting text today. Hebrews 2.4 says this, God himself testified to the validity of the gospel message by signs, wonders, and various miracles. And here it is, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. They were distributed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the great distributor of the gifts. And you know what I believe, and I know for many others that have been speaking during this series, is that God wants to awaken the gifts of the Spirit in our heart. Amen. God wants to awaken the gifts within us. There is no limit to what God can accomplish through these gifts. And there is no limit to whom God can give them to. There's no limit. There's no limitations on God. Paul the Apostle said we are not to be ignorant of these gifts. He said, you know, how true it is for us to sometimes be ignorant of the gifts and not to make room for them, to put them off, to not prioritize them, not make room. But Paul said this. He said, don't do that. Paul said this. He said, they are gifts that God has given us, gifts that he has given us to get the job done. And these are gifts that are for the edification of the church, for the common good. And that brings us to our main topic that we're looking at today, which is the gift of prophecy. Thank God for the gift of prophecy. As I was preparing for this message just over the weekend, I was reflecting on how the prophetic ministry has impacted my own life personally and people that I know, people in my family, people that I've known in church life, and how the prophetic ministry has had such an impact upon them, upon their, their future, upon their life. Over the years, I've begun to, to love the prophetic ministry. The prophetic can take people to new ground. It takes us to new pastures, to new territory, new horizons. How many want to go further in the prophetic? It takes us to new places. And KT, Kensington Temple, knows this very well. And I'm grateful to be in a church that, of course, makes room for the prophetic. Both uh, our senior minister, Colin Dye, and our, uh, our associate minister, Bruce Atkins, have a, a big value for the prophetic ministry. They are those who have a, a, an ear to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so Katie has made room over the years for the prophetic. We've had people come here and spoke from this pr- platform and spoke prophetically. There have been people that have spoke prophetically words of what God is going to do through this ministry. There are things that God yet wants to unfold here through Kensington Temple. Amen. My early exposure to the prophetic ministry began as a young teenager. And in the midst of a lot of prophetic 
activity in, in Kansas City. Anybody know where Kansas City is? Not too many hands. How many watched Wizard of Oz before? Yeah, Dorothy, Toto, you know, okay, probably know that more than Kansas City. Right bang in the middle of the United States. And so I was there during my, so my teenage years. And Kansas City became known as a, a spiritual hotspot in the United States. And it was largely characterized by uh, the gift of prophecy. People were regularly uh, prophesying uh, angelic encounters dreams, audible voices, visions of all types. There were natural signs on the earth that were uh, uh, like signs to confirm prophetic words. And I was, as a teenager, I was fascinated by God working in all these different ways. I was fascinated by the, the gift, the office of a prophet, uh, of how a God would speak to a prophet about things in someone's life and it would very much provide a platform for what God was going to do in their life. And I suppose when I reflect back upon those years during the 80s and the 90s, it makes me realize that the reason there was so much prophetic activity was because there was an environment that was, uh, there was a fostering for the prophetic gift to take place. There was an openness to the prophetic word to take place. Uh, I remember very well during the 90s of going to meetings and conferences of people came from all around the U.S., to certain prophetic conferences, and uh, there would be an awareness of God that would grip the place. And I was a young teenager, I didn't really know much, but I was amazed by some of the words of knowledge with such accuracy, where people's in the crowds of thousands of people, where people, the prophet would stand up and he would prophesy over people he'd never met before. He would tell them their names and their surnames and their, their, their house number and their addresses and all these kinds of different detailed situ uh, um, things about their life. And so I realized at a young age that the, the prophetic is very real. The, the prophetic ministry may be very raw, but it's very real. And so all this was really kind of like an eye-opener, an eye-opener to what God can actually do. And so today, we're looking at the gift of prophecy, and today we're going to look at what the gift of prophecy is and what the gift of prophecy isn't. And we're going to look at ways of how we can actually develop in the gift of prophecy. So I'd like you to come with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. Acts 2 verse 17 to 21. This is Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church, Peter quoted the Joel 2 prophecy from the Old Testament. And he says this, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In this scripture, Joel was bringing a prophetic word about what God is going to do in the last days. Up until Pentecost, the Spirit only 
come upon a, a certain limited few, maybe perhaps a few leaders and some prophetic people at any one time. But the average person had no experience of the, the Spirit's power in their life or had any ability to prophesy. And in this scripture, Joel was prophesying, it's coming upon all flesh. It's coming upon Jew and Gentile, men and women, young and old, of every class. In other words, it's not going to be exclusive. Every believer is going to experience what Joel prophesied and what Peter spoke of in Acts 2. And so Joel's prophecy was partially fulfilled on the day of Pentecost that birthed the early church. It was the beginning, if you like, of the fulfillment of Joel 2. Peter in Acts is saying, what you're, you're seeing happening around you, all this activity of the Holy Spirit was prophesied by Joel. It's a very small book, the book of Joel, but he prophesied that what was going to take place in Acts. And so the Spirit came upon 120 people, and that touched 3,000 people. But also Joel said this, he said, in the last days, God will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. In other words, Pentecost was just the start. This was a promise for the last days that we are living in. How many know we're living in the last days? The last days began when, when it was said in the last days, beginning from the book of Acts, Acts 2. This means that there is more to come. God is still pouring out His Spirit, amen? God is still yet to pour out His Spirit upon the church, especially as we near the day of Jesus' return. And this should encourage us because it, we're talking about God pouring out His Spirit in an unprecedented way. How many are excited about that? God wants to pour out His Spirit. And if you've been around for the last number of months, you would have heard Dr. R.T. Kendall talk about this unprecedented move of the Spirit that has come, that it won't be like anything that we've seen before. It will surpass even Acts 2, because that was the, the church at infancy. God wants to pour out His Spirit upon His people. And how will it be characterized? By widespread prophesying. Worldwide, widespread prophesying. Now, I want us to see, if you just look at the Joel's prophecy with me, Joel's prophecy, there are, there's an order in terms of Joel's prophecy. First, there is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You see that? And then secondly, there's a release of prophecy, dreams, and visions. And then thirdly, there's signs on the earth and, uh, and the heavens. And then fourthly, it talks about a release of salvation. In other words, Joel, what he was doing was giving us a picture of what the New Testament prophetic ministry was going to look like. The church, right from the day of Pentecost, was called to be a prophetic people. The church, right from the day of Pentecost, was called to have a prophetic nature, was called to have a prophetic edge. Turn to the person and tell, tell them they need to have a prophetic edge. We're all called to have a prophetic nature and a prophetic edge. In the Old Testament, there was just a few prophets who prophesied. But in the New Testament, the future of the church didn't just rest on one prophet. The outpouring of the Spirit meant the gift of prophecy was going to be distributed to the entire body of Christ. How many are encouraged by that? It's a coming upon every one of us. So the prophetic ministry, what does that mean? It's a major part of church life today. It's a major part of our church experience today. All New Testament um, prophetic ministry is supported also by this belief in the priesthood of all believers. This is... Uh, something that a guy called Martin Luther got a hold of in the 16th century. He got a revelation that we're all priests. 
that we can all have direct access to God. Amen? That every one of us can hear God for ourselves. The Holy Spirit can fill every vessel. Not just a few specially anointed in the Old Testament times. And so this has a, a direct impact on the prophetic ministry that all, all of us can prophesy. All of us can hear God. All of us can be led by the Holy Spirit. No one is excluded. We can all edify. We can all encourage. We can all comfort one another. And the truth is, is that we need the prophetic ministry today. We need the prophetic ministry to stay encouraged and to stay focused, to stir up our hopes and to stir up our expectations. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the prophetic ministry is there to awaken the church. And I think over, just over even the last few months through Dr. R.T. Kendall's ministry, I think it's caused an awakening, amen, to take place in our hearts. God wants to wake up this sleeping giant. God wants to wake up the church, to revive the church, to pour out His Holy Spirit upon the church in a fresh way. Now, there are different levels of people operating in the prophetic as we see in the New Testament. There are some people who function what we call basic prophecy. Now, basic prophecy is what we're looking at mainly today, which is found in 1 Corinthians, uh, the gift of prophecy. And so the Bible says that we are to earnestly seek prophecy. All men and women, young and old, whatever class, we are able to speak forth words from God. And so what might this basic prophecy uh, look like? Well, mainly it's edification. It's encouragement, it's motivating, it's inspiring, it's comforting one another. So sometimes uh, these might be simple impressions that God brings to our mind. Some of these things might be things like uh, give it, impressing upon us uh, scriptures or uh, certain pictures, dreams, visions, all kinds of different various things. There are some today in the body of Christ who, uh, who operate in what we might call a prophetic gifting. In other words, what they experience is they are people who, who get regularly these impressions. They get dreams and, and visions, and they get, they get this on a regular basis. There may be those who, in the body of Christ today, who might have what we call prophetic ministry. A, a prophetic ministry which has been recognized, and it's been commissioned within the local church. There's a blessing upon their ministry. And so they might be those who receive uh, words and, uh, and dreams on a regular basis, open visions. They might even get more detailed information, things like we've already mentioned, like names and faces and, uh, uh, and future events. Uh, they may also operate in sign gifts, things like miracles and healings. They might even give direction and correction. And so there's, that's the prophetic ministry. But then also there's a, a, another a gift, which is the prophetic office, which we, we look at in terms of the fivefold ministry. The office of a prophet. And these might be people that God raises up today that don't actually look too dissimilar from Old Testament uh, prophets in the Bible or New Testament prophets in the Bible. And so these guys, they bring correction, they bring direction, uh, but they operate on a higher level. Maybe to those who have government in the church, maybe uh, those who, even within the political world, they, they operate in another level. And so they may operate in signs and wonders, and, and, uh, but they get accurate words of God, accurate words from the Lord. And so today, what's one way that we can tell if someone's a prophet or not? I guess it's their track record of accurate words. 
Not only that, but they have a, a, a godly lifestyle, they, a godly character. They, they have a love for Scripture. Prophets can predict future events with accuracy. Their words might be confirmed through natural events and signs. And these are some of the things I, I saw as a young teenager where there were various people that were prophesying and certain prophetic words were being confirmed by actual natural events that were taking place around the world. Some were things that were unusual weather patterns. And so these are various things that confirm, can confirm prophetic words. But a prophet, their words carry authority because they speak with real accuracy. In the New Testament, there were some people that ministered so regularly and they were prophesying regularly. And so they were called prophets or they functioned in the office of a prophet. But with all of that said, some of those are helpful just to get some categories to help us see the different levels of prophetic ministry in the church. But with all of that said, we must be careful not to confuse the gift of prophecy that we see in 1 Corinthians to the ministry office of a prophet. Paul the Apostle urged uh, the Corinthians to seek for this basic gift of prophecy. Whilst, of course, acknowledging that not all are prophets. And so the fact that someone prophesies doesn't necessarily make them, him or her, a, a prophet. But the New Testament makes it clear that the spirit of prophecy is available to all. And one reason we should embrace the prophetic is simply because the, the Scripture teaches us to. The Apostle Paul, interestingly enough, said more about the gift of prophecy than any other gift. That kind of gives you a hint, doesn't it? That he wanted the church to flow in the gift of prophecy at such an incredible level. Some, some of the things he said are in, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, 31. For you all can prophesy one by one that all may learn. Chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love. And desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Paul is saying here that above all else, he wishes that someone will prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14.5, Paul says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. Then verse 31, for you all can prophesy. And lastly, chapter 14, verse 39, desire earnestly to prophesy. And do not despise prophecies. Now, the context of Paul writing to the Corinthian church had to do with him giving leadership and giving wisdom and helping them understand how to use these gifts. There were all kinds of gifts that were breaking out upon the New Testament church, but he as a leader, as an apostle, was helping them understand how to use them properly. Some of them were actually elevating some gifts higher than others. Some were waving their gifts around like they were kind of titles or badges or they were trophies. Uh, and, and so they were treating some as more spectacular than others, like they were perhaps spiritual superstars. And, and Paul comes along, he says, you've got it all wrong. These gifts are not for yourselves. These are for the body. These are for the body of Christ to build them up, to encourage them. And this is true of prophecy. This is something we really must understand when it comes to prophecy, that it is for the building up of the body of Christ. And so, come with me to Revelation 19, verse 10. Revelation 19, verse 10. We see here one of the, the few times that prophecy is actually defined in the Scriptures. 
Revelation 19.10. The apostle John was spoken to by an angel. And the angel said this, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The purpose of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Prophecy is the testimony of Jesus' heart for his people. It's the revelation of God's heart. In other words, the purpose of prophecy is, is for what? To reveal Jesus, Jesus' testimony of what he has done and what he is doing. Amen? What's on his heart? What's on his mind? In fact, our associate Bruce Atkinson was talking about this at the 7 p.m. last Sunday. Talking about how the testimony of Jesus is based about what he has done. But not only that, what he has actually done in someone else's life. And when that testimony is released to the body, it encourages others to believe that God can do that in them as well. That's how prophetic is so powerful. The testimony of Jesus is the greatest testimony that we have. How many believe that? Of what Jesus has done. The testimony of what he has done and still doing in the church. And so uh, the prophetic ministry, it reveals God's heart. What he is feeling. What he is doing. Where he is moving. What he is saying to the church or to individuals. How he is alerting the church. How he is seeking to awaken the church. What he is calling us to, what he is calling you to, where he is taking us, what he is saying now. But most of all, the prophetic is that which reveals Jesus. Sometimes when we think of the prophetic, we think that it's all about revealing the future. But the prophetic is far more about revealing Jesus than it is about the future. For example, there are prophetic times that we sometimes have in worship. How many know worship is prophetic? Not pathetic. Prophetic. Worship is prophetic. It ministers to people. Sometimes uh, we may be playing along or we may be singing along, do, uh, singing whatever song, and then all of a sudden into a worship leader's mind or a singer, whoever they are, might all of a sudden come a phrase or a line or a word or some whisper from the Holy Spirit. And because that's the thing on the Lord's heart at that moment, and that's how he's chosen to reveal himself, suddenly something changes. The dynamic changes. We shift gears. We go on to a new level where we go deeper into the Lord's presence. What happened? The prophetic was revealed. And it reveals more about who Jesus is. That's a beautiful thing about prophetic worship. Sometimes speaking prophetically, I've heard this said before, is like walking a tightrope. Anybody ever done a tightrope before? No hands go up. Well, I'm not putting my hand up because I want to do it. I'm certainly not looking forward to doing that. But... Uh, is walking in the prophetic and functioning the prophetic is like walking a, a tightrope. Sometimes all we may have is a word or a whisper or a line or some kind of phrase in our head. And then that means we have to step out. And then, of course, give verbal expression to that God idea. But the thing uh, about walking a tightrope is that you mustn't look down. How many know that's important? If you're doing a tightrope, just in case you're ever going to do it, don't look down. In the same way, when you're stepping out in the prophetic, we are called just to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord ahead. To keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and not look down. Keep focusing on the Lord. The prophetic is that which, of course, recognizes Jesus, but it seeks to follow him. And the truth is that sometimes the, you know, the Jesus that we follow is unpredictable. 
in our church services, sometimes we say, come Lord Jesus, but he comes in an unexpected way. Jesus came to his own, but he, nobody recognized him. Why? They chose to reject him. Why? Because he didn't fit within the mold of how they thought he was going to come. They got the revelation that a Messiah was coming, that Jesus was coming, but the whole interpretation of how they thought Jesus would come was off-center. And we'll look at that in a moment about how important it is to get right interpretation with, with prophecy. And so the prophetic is, is recognizing Jesus, but it's following him. Sometimes God will turn up and he will deliberately seek to offend our mind. And so what are the three main things that Paul says basic prophecy is for? Let's break it down here. Let's look at this scripture in 1 Corinthians 14.3. Firstly, edification, exhortation, and comfort to people. He who prophesies, he speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. This is Paul's explanation of why he wants all of us to function in prophecy. So firstly, edification. What that's, what's that all about? It's about building people up spiritually. That can mean sometimes confirming God's purposes over someone's life. Uh, sometimes prophecy uh, focuses on, on, on things that people are actually already thinking about. You ever found that before? It confirms things that are already going on in someone's life. So, for example, a practical way to, to bring edification uh, might be to give someone a scripture. Just simple uh, you know, the Holy Spirit impresses a scripture upon our hearts. And so this might actually uh, be one that, that someone's actually already thinking about. They're already reading. And so what does this do? It just confirms that God is speaking to them about something about that scripture says. Amen? Isn't it wonderful when one or two or three people come to you and they confirm a scripture that you're already reading about? Anybody experienced that before? And it's wonderful because it confirms about what God is saying to you. Edification sometimes might be uh, just giving people assurance that God is near. That his breakthrough is not too far away. That God is bringing something. How many know that we all need to hear that at times? It might even be to bring back to memory about something that God actually said to you many years ago. And so God uses a vessel to remind you of what God said that time ago. Because God wants to do something afresh in your job or your family or your friends, wherever it is. God can remind us of certain things. And so these are important things of how God, thank you brother, these are important things of how God can actually speak to us today. The importance of edification. Also prophecy is exhorting. How many know that's important? Exhorting, what does that mean? Exhorting people not to give up. You met anybody before that is almost about to give up? The prophetic is that which exhorts to not quit, especially if they're going through a tough time. Exhorting them not to give up on God's promises. Exhorting them not to give in to sin. Exhorting them not to give in to temptation. Amen? That's why this is so powerful, to not give up, to keep going. Also, comfort is also what prophecy brings. We can speak comfort by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to disappointments... In people's life, we can give someone God's word. We can give someone God's overall perspective. And this is a huge part of prophecy, comfort. Everyone at some point in their life needs to hear comforting words. I know I've faced that in my own life. God brings comfort 
to our lives through these things. And so the fruit of that means that people will keep their eyes on Jesus. The fruit of that will mean that people will not take their eyes off of God's will. So when it comes to basic prophecy and uh, bringing comfort, we might use words like the Lord is near. The Lord's not far away. Amen. The Lord cares for you. The Lord is watching over you. He's not left you. He's still with you. In fact, it's a lovely part of Scripture in Isaiah 40 where the, the Israelites started to give up on God. They were thinking, yeah, have you forgotten about us? Do you care about us anymore? And then all of a sudden, God raises up Isaiah. Or Isaiah. God raises up Isaiah and he says, you know, God's not forgotten about you. He's the everlasting God. He's the God who comforts and the God who's not forgotten his promises over your lives. Comfort is so important. And so you can see, can't you, how these gifts, edification, exhortation, and comfort, were so important in the New Testament church. Paul the, the Apostle wanted everybody to function in this gift of prophecy. Also, I've seen in, in the years how prophecy can serve to be a motivational gift. Sometimes prophecy is a challenging gift. And uh, sometimes it's a gift that nudges us a little bit more forward in our ministry. For example, I, I read about someone a little while back uh, called Mr. Hines. Anybody heard of Mr. Hines before? How many eat Hines ketchup? Yeah, you like your Hines ketchup? Hines baked beans? Amen. Shouldn't eat too much of those, but anyway. Hines. And the, the Hines Corporation was, was built over 100 years ago, and Mr. H.J. Hines was, uh, was a believer. And, of course, he's known for developing 57 different types of pickles and all these other things like, of course, we enjoy today around the world. But anyway, he was a believer, Christian believer. And the story goes that he went to this evangelistic meeting. After the meeting, this evangelist uh, came up to him and he said to him, you know, with all the energy that you have, when are you going to start using it for the Lord? And he was kind of taken back all of a sudden. He thought, you know, who does he think he's talking to? He was a businessman, and then he goes home, and he's disturbed. And actually, he's angered. He's angry that this evangelist spoke to him in this way. And so he goes back, and he wrestles with God in prayer until 4 o'clock in the morning. Wrestling with prayer. And he came to the conclusion. He said, you know, Lord, I'm, making, I'm dedicating my life today. I'm saying, Lord, would you use me to save souls? Would you use me to win people to Jesus? A few days later, he was with these top bankers in this city. And uh, as he's with these bankers, he turned to his friend to, to talk to him about the joys of knowing Jesus. And his friend turned to him and said, you know, I've known you're a Christian for a long time. And I was waiting for you to talk to me about the gospel. This was the first person of 267 people that he won to the Lord, one to one from that point onwards. The prophetic ministry is a motivational ministry. It inspires, but it also challenges us. Have you ever experienced that in your life before? When God will purposely, he will use somebody to nudge us, to challenge us, because God sees something, sees something of ministry for us to go towards to. There's something more that God wants us to, to move towards. God will nudge us. God will challenge us. And so primarily, basic prophecy, it, it edifies it encourages, it's, it comforts. And if you find that someone is regularly prophesying in, in church and people are not necessarily feeling lifted up or cheered up or, you know, built up, it's likely that it's not prophecy. Basic prophecy is there to encourage people and to edify. Amen. 
It's not there to humiliate people. It's not there to embarrass people or to, to correct or confront them. Also, the, the 1 Corinthians gift of prophecy, I'm not talking about the office of a prophet, we're talking about 1 Corinthians gift of prophecy, it is not primarily there to give specific direction to someone's life. Like, for example, like who you're going to marry. How many know that's important? Or things like you're going to move on to a new job, or you're going to move church, or move to another city. Uh, these are not, the gift of prophecy is not specific direction. Ultimately, God wants us, of course, to be responsible for the decisions that we make in our life. Amen? And that doesn't mean that we can't receive godly counsel from people. But that's not the purpose of the gift of prophecy. And so, how does it work? One person said this, most prophecy is human words reporting something that God brings to mind. Most prophecy is human words reporting something that God brings to mind. God brings to mind thoughts that we communicate in our own language. And so the prophetic, it flows from that place of being close to God. You have to be close to God if you want to hear His voice. And often He speaks with that still small voice. That whisper. God whispers to His friends. And when you hear His voice, and when you hear that whisper, that's when God gives you the opportunity to be His spokesman. His spokesperson. And so that's when the Holy Spirit begins to give us impressions. He begins to touch our heart, to touch our mind, our consciousness of how He wants to move through us. And so how to practically move forward in prophecy? When we see what prophecy does, this is when we see the value of the cell ministry. When it comes to operating in the gift of prophecy, cells are a smaller group setting to release prophecy. It's a great place for people to actually start growing in the gift of prophecy because it provides a safe environment for them to grow and to build confidence in this prophetic gift. Believers can learn to share some of the impressions that the Holy Spirit is giving them. And so this is a great way uh, in terms of people growing in the prophetic, giving room for the prophetic to function. If we all started to make room in ourselves and to make room in our small groups for the operation of the prophetic, the church becomes healthier. Because people feel edified, they feel encouraged, they feel strengthened. The cells make up the life of the church, amen? They make up the, the DNA of the church. So if cells are actually making room for the prophetic, the church becomes more prophetic. They come more, become more healthier. The spirit of prophecy is released. And so people start to feel comfortable to flow in this gift of prophecy. And so we must get used to fostering an environment for the prophetic to flow. There's no point saying that we're open to the prophetic if we don't actually make room for the prophetic. And so in smaller group dynamics, this is wonderful and it's exciting how people can grow in that way. Because the exciting thing is, is that God speaks to all. Amen? He uses everybody to build everybody up. And so when we talk about the prophetic, what are we talking about? We're talking about how the Holy Spirit can give us prophetic uh, information in so many ways. What are some of these ways? Scriptures, as we've mentioned before. Impressions. Uh, pictures. Dreams. Open visions. Uh, mental visions. Sometimes people might even hear the audible voice of God. 
And today, as wonderful it is, as it is to sometimes have God speak to us in real supernatural ways, the angelic visitations, dreams, and visions, that's all wonderful. But most of the time, God speaks to us through that still, small voice. He gives us whispers about what he's about to do. Or a Holy Spirit comes to mind. A Holy Spirit idea comes to mind. And that might happen sometimes when you're actually just talking to someone. Maybe you've experienced that before. And this Holy Spirit idea comes to mind. And um, sometimes we, we, we may not even have to mention to the person that we're speaking to that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Because often if they can actually discern whether the Lord is speaking to them or not. We don't always have to tell them that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Uh, sometimes we, we, we often sometimes make it according to using this phrase, the Lord told me. Or thus you know, saith the Lord. And it can sometimes unhelpfully draw uh, unhelpful attention to ourselves. We don't necessarily always have to use or attach these things like the Lord told me or thus saith the Lord um, to, attach these, to make people think it's more believable. Or feel like we have to sometimes put on a weird front or a weird face or raise our voice really high to, to get people's attention. In fact, I think if we would be, become a little bit more normal about it, people might receive it better. Amen? So these impressions or these ideas or these whispers, they come from the Holy Spirit and they can come spontaneously. And God can do a lot with a whisper. And so what's important for us, if, if we're going to start flowing in the gift of prophecy, we need to be open to express the Holy Spirit promptings and not ignore them because God wants to encourage His people. God wants to use you to edify someone. And so if you find yourself praying or you, you're finding yourself, you're, uh, you're with someone and you're ministering to them, the important thing is, is for us to, to learn to wait on the Holy Spirit. And, and, and perhaps ask him for a word, ask him for a phrase, ask him for a, a scripture that, uh, that comes to mind. And when it uh, comes, that's when we can start to give it verbal expression. Revelation can come in different bits and pieces. So we need revelation to make sense of the gift of prophecy. Paul says in the context of this, in prophecy, he says, For we know in part and prophesy in part. For we know in part and prophesy in part. And so first of all, for us when we're flowing the gift of prophecy, we must first receive the revelation. Secondly then of course is interpreting it. Amen? And so then of course once we've interpreted that revelation, that's when we apply it with wisdom. And so receiving the revelation is important. In fact, in the Old Testament, um, there's an example of, of this of how important it is to get right interpretation. Because Samuel the prophet, you remember Samuel the prophet? He was the one that anointed King Saul. And then he, uh, uh, God spoke to him and said, I'm done with, with Saul. and I'm now going to ask you to go to Bethlehem. And I want you to anoint the new king. In fact, this is a new king who's a man after my own heart. And of course, it's David. And so Samuel receives the revelation. He's got the revelation. He's got to go to Bethlehem. He's got to speak this and do what God has called him to do. But however, when he gets to Bethlehem, he, he, he sees all the, the other brothers that are lined up. He goes to Jesse's household. And he sees all these people that pass before him. And Eliab, who was the oldest brother, passes before him. And Samuel looks at him and says, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. And then God says, Of course, it's not him. In fact, don't consider his appearance because I haven't chosen him. 
In fact, the one that I'm about to choose is actually still out in the fields of Bethlehem. And I love this story because it kind of shows you that God can find you no matter where you are. If you're in a place where you don't know if God is recognizing you, you don't know if God knows where you are, or God has seen all the things that you're doing, I mean, if God can find someone in the backfields of Bethlehem, I think God can find you, amen? And so this is how it works. And so Samuel, he, 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 got, he was a seasoned prophet, but somehow his interpretation, he got it wrong. Doesn't that give you encouragement? That a seasoned prophet can even get it wrong. And so interpreting the revelation is so important. When we receive prophetic words, what questions should we be asking? Well, I guess we could be asking questions like, who is supposed to hear it? What group is this for? What, what, what leader is this for? What, is this for an intercessor? Is this for a leadership team? Uh, when should it be shared? Is it for the whole church? Why should I be sharing it? What is the purpose of it? And then, of course, what actions need to be applied once the, the revelation has actually been received? Will it edify the person? How many know these are important questions? Other questions, does it build up? Does it encourage? Does it comfort? Um, is the spirit of the prophecy the testimony of Jesus? Um, does the prophecy line up with the written word? How many know that's pretty important? The final word, the, the final authority in terms of any prophetic word. And then lastly, does it glorify Jesus? And so if it doesn't line up with some of these things, we could probably safely say that it's not prophecy. See, Paul, when he spoke to Thessalonica in chapter 5 of Thessalonians, he told them not to despise prophecies. You know, make room for the prophetic, you know. Don't despise prophecies, but he said this, but to test them. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things and hold fast Onto what is good. Why? Because there will be some prophecies that may contain error. And so Paul says, test all things, but hold on to what is good. And this is important today because there may be some misuses of the gift of prophecy today in church life. People might make up a prophetic word to manipulate people for perhaps selfish gain. Or have a wrong motivation. They might um, use it to try and flatter someone. Of course, I know you never do that. They might use it to, to, to gain an influence over someone's life. Or to try to draw attention to themselves to show how spiritual they are. And, uh, be very cautious maybe of someone who insists that they have to give you a word in private or in secret. Behind closed doors without anybody being a witness to what is being said. Sometimes this can be very divisive. This can be very damaging to people. Also, I think it's worth noting that that function in this gift sometimes involves some common sense. How many know common sense is important? Amen. And so as important as it is sometimes to, to have the right breakfast in the morning or to uh, wear the right clothes on any given day or to find that right parking space, how many know that's not really the gift of prophecy? That's not what the purpose of the gift of prophecy is for. As if you're waiting for the, thus saith the Lord, whether it's shirties or cornflakes in the morning, or whether it's a blue or white shirt, or whatever it is. That's not primarily the gift, what the purpose of the gift of prophecy is for. And so how can you and I receive more prophetic words? Well, I'm glad you asked. When it comes down to your everyday life, 
how many of us are actually saying to the Holy Spirit, what are you saying and what are you doing? What do you want me to be involved in today? What are we asking the Holy Spirit day by day? As you're on your way to work, as you're preparing yourself in the morning, or as you're preparing to go to a meeting or any kind of event, or you're preparing for a phone call, or you're preparing to meet with a friend, are you saying, Holy Spirit, do you want to say anything to me today? Do you want to speak anything through me today? How many of us are making ourselves available to the Holy Spirit when it comes to the gift of prophecy? That's the first thing I guess you could say that the Holy Spirit is looking for. He's looking for availability. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to have engagement and He wants to have involvement in every area of your life, not just church meetings. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit wants to have engagement in every part of your life, your family life, your work life. He wants access. I think sometimes one of the reasons why many of us might not flow in the gift of prophecy enough is because it takes us being attentive to the Holy Spirit. It takes us, uh, the, it's important to stay alert and to be open to the Holy Spirit and what He is saying. Scripture says this, we must eagerly desire to prophesy. I don't think Paul could have said it any more stronger. Eagerly desire to prophesy. In other words, if I desire something enough, I will do anything I can to get it. We make room in our hearts, praying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you doing? Wherever God takes you during the day, what are you saying? What are you doing? And so that means that our prayers actually become much more intentional. Amen? That actually God knows that we mean business. That we're actually making our, ourselves available now, not like in the future, Sometimes God will, will sometimes entrust more things to us if he, he actually sees that we're faithful in some of the smaller things. And so the, sometimes the best way for us to grow in this gift of prophecy is to remain spiritually alert, to continue to ask the Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? Show me, Holy Spirit, what you are doing. And of course, if we're not doing that, we may miss out on an opportunity to bring edification, to bring encouragement, to bring comfort to people. Every day is an opportunity to prophesy. Every day is an opportunity to encourage. Amen? The gift of prophecy is so powerful in church life, it motivates, it inspires. Can we all stand together this afternoon? I'm going to ask Peter to come, that would be great. You know, you and I were meant to hear, amen? We were meant to see. We were meant to operate in the Spirit. We were meant to have, if you like, the eyes of an eagle. Sometimes the eagle is very symbolic of the prophetic. You may see it on paintings and drawings. and The eagle is symbolic of the prophetic. And I love the eagle because it's an incredible bird and it was born to fly. It was born to soar high up there in the mountains. It was born to, to fly high in the sky. In other words, it's no earthbound creature. It's no earthbound chicken. I know a little bit about chickens because I had about 14 of them before I moved to London. <laughs> And I learned a few things about chickens, but one thing I learned, of course, is that they are earthbound creatures and they can't really fly. 
But God has called us, God has called Kensington Temple to be eagles. To be eagles that fly high in the sky. And some of us sometimes are the weighed down by the, the earthbound mentality of struggles. Earthbound mentality of struggles and you can't see forward. But God says to you today, come up higher. Come up higher where I am. I'm up here and I want to lift you up. And today I want to encourage you this afternoon to ask the Holy Spirit to lift you up higher. Above some of the struggles, some of the, the problems that you've been facing. God says to us, come and see what I see. Come and hear what I hear. Come and know what I know. You don't have to be operating down here anymore. God wants to lift you up today. Some of you have been had an earth, you've been entertaining earthbound arguments in your mind. Earthbound arguments, fear. And it stopped you from moving forward in what God has called you to be. God says, come up higher. Fear is one of those crippling things in the body of Christ. There are all kinds of different fears that people experience. Apparently, psychologists tell us there are about 2,000 fears that humans actually experience in their life. There can be all kinds of things. God wants to deliver you from fear. He wants to bring you into a fear-free zone. God wants to lift you up higher today. You know, we've been talking about the prophetic and how it edifies, it encourages, and it comforts. But know this, that there is other spirits that are at work in the church today as well. There are evil spirits that are at work in the church. There are wrong spirits that are at work in the church. What are those spirits? They seek to tear down. They seek to, to destroy. They seek to discredit. There are many seducing spirits. The Bible talks about seducing spirits that will come. There are evil spirits that are on the rampage, seeking to take the body of Christ out. But God has called us to be those who encourage, amen? To be those who edify, those who comfort. God says, come up higher. Get a right spirit within you. God wants to do away with the wrong spirit. It reminds me in the Bible, the Old Testament, where you have, you know, Joshua and Caleb. Remember Joshua and Caleb? And they're about to go into the promised land. God's got this promised land for them. And they go out as spies and they go and view this promised land. And many of them, about 80% of them, come back and say it's not possible. And in fact, they say they're grasshoppers in compared to these giants. In other words, they were complaining, they were unbelieving, and they weren't sure that God could actually do it. But then God says about Joshua and Caleb that they had a right spirit. They had an excellent spirit. I think that's the kind of spirit that God is after today. God is after a right spirit. God says, come up higher. Do away with the wrong spirit. Because you see, if you want to go into the promised land, whatever job that is, whatever place God wants to take you, you can't take the wrong spirit into the, other, into the promised land. You have to leave it at the cross. God wants to set up a new covenant with you. You have to do away with the wrong spirit. That spirit that gossips, that spirit that seeks to tear down. God wants to place a right spirit within you. Amen. A right spirit, an excellent spirit. These are the kind of people that God takes into the promised land. And so even now, I just ask the Lord, God, would you give me a right spirit? Place within me a right spirit. Any wrong attitudes, any wrong spirit within me, would you flush it out here today? Place within me a right spirit. God, would you take us higher? Higher. 
Your thoughts and your ways are higher than ours. What about your spiritual senses today? What about your ears? What about your eyes? What are you listening to? What are you looking at? The gift of prophecy is important that our eyes are open. They're clean. They can see. That our ears are not blocked. They are unblocked to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What things have you been looking at and listening to that have somehow dumbed, that somehow stopped you from being effective to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and seeing in the Spirit? Allow God to come and cleanse your mind, cleanse your eyes, and to cleanse your ears this afternoon. Even now, go ahead. Don't worry about the person next to you. Just make yourself available to the Lord right now. God, would you come? May I be your habitation. Would you fill me with your spirit? Fill me with the right spirit. Go ahead, just do that now. Place within me a right spirit, O Lord. Open our ears, Lord. Open our eyes. Is that song called Eagle's Wings? If we could sing it together, which talks about how God wants to take us higher, amen? He wants to breathe upon us. He wants to come and live in us. You're going to give me a G. Come live in me and all my life take over. Come breathe in me and I will rise on ego. Come live in me. Come live in me and all my life take over. Come breathe in me and I will ride on eagles on ourselves available to you. Come speak to us. Come and move through us. We pray for an increase of your presence and power in our life. We ask you for more. We pray, Lord, for more increased gifts of the Spirit flowing through us. We pray you remove every blockage. We pray over this house, Kensington Temple, Lord, that you raise up people that will flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Children, young people, youth, men and women, we pray all across this house that you distribute it according to your will. Lord, it's your plan and purpose. 
Release it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God.